0: Hi, dear listener, Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and KeyForge Public Radio. And last year, I took my love of podcasts full time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to zach at roosterhigh.com. Thank you so much. Did you know that if you're playing Winds of Exchange and you tokenize a key card that you really needed later, but it turns into a token creature and it's oh so sad... You know that's your fault, right? Let's get sweaty. Welcome to Keyforge Public Radio with your host, Zach Armstrong. Welcome, dear listener, to Keyforge Public Radio. My name is Zach Armstrong. And if you're not subscribed, (laughs) that's silly. We are talking today about token creature variants in Winds of Exchange. Keyforge's sixth set came with a very cool mechanic that we talked a lot about in episode two. So if you need to know all about token creatures in in the essential guide, check out episode two here on Keyforge Public Radio. And this mechanic introduces a lot of variance into decks and how you play. How you make a token creature in Winds of Exchange is when an effect instructs you to make a token creature. You take the top card of your deck, place it in your battle line, and then you can check what it is. This is a very cool and honestly pretty intuitive way to integrate the classic trading card game mechanic of token creatures into Keyforge. However, it introduces a lot of variance because if you need a board wipe to blow up your opponent's creatures, you need a bit of amber control to to keep them off of that key. What if it turns into a token creature and you can't get it back? Now, I of course accused you of being now, of course I accused you of it being your fault here in the start and I mean, that's true, but we're going to have some grace with it as we talk about how to manage this token creature variance in Wo. This is Keyforge Public Radio. We're here to help you become a better Keyforge player, or at least as good as me. I don't know quite how good that is. So if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and do that. Follow on your preferred podcast platform so that you can hear this kind of stuff as soon as it drops. So when you make a token creature in Winds of Exchange you are accepting the risk of trading the most important card left in your deck for a exhausted creature that you've just put out. Now, this is kind of a funny risk to talk about, right? Because well, you knew this. I'm not telling you anything you didn't know. When you go, "Oh, I'm so sad that that was tokenized," you know, you you knew that. So I'm not telling you any new information. But what do I want you to do with this information? Because wins of Exchange is high variance when you're in that situation where you have a card you need and then it becomes tokenized and you can't retrieve it with a way to bounce tokens, right? Like sandhopper or a Transporter Platform. But when you make that token creature, you're saying, okay, I'm accepting the risk of tokenizing that most important card for a small exhausted creature. And what you want to make sure is that when you're tokenizing, one, you accept that risk. And two, that really the math needs to be that you need that token creature. It's going to give you more possibilities to move towards a win than the card that was left in your deck, right? So this isn't an easy choice to make. Discarding a tokenizing card feels bad if you've got something that makes a token, an action card, perhaps, or you have something like recruiter and equidon that makes it after reap without a choice you're often you're faced with a tough choice one it feels bad not to use an action card when you could do it if you don't have a choice with making the token like with recruiter that's a tough choice because you're missing out on a whole amber that you could have otherwise so that starts to come into all these calculations so really what happens is these calculations start to get pretty intense or pretty complicated as far as saying let me analyze the matchup let me think about what is left in my deck let me think about what is going on in the board and the hand what what risk is acceptable for one of my key cards later become a, a token creature right now if i use this make a token creature ability so that is a whole lot of math to math <laughs> right Here in Winds of Exchange. So sometimes when you're playing casually, this is totally fine. Just keep playing your cards, have a good time, use those token creatures. But if you want to kind of take this analysis very seriously and start to, you know, have some smoke pour out of your ears, you've got to start to do some of this math and you've got to start either not using or discarding your tokenizers depending on the situation. If it's something like Equidon's Visible Hand that reveals your hand to your opponent and you make two token creatures, maybe you're saying, you know, I don't need a whole lot of token creatures to try to go for victory here, and I don't really want to reveal my hand. I'm going to go ahead and discard this. I'm going to go ahead and discard this. That's a perfectly good choice if you know that it's not worth the risk of tokenizing your really good Amber control you wanted to draw later or your board wipe, right? Or your board wipe. So you can go ahead and discard it, and it kind of feels bad, but it might be the right kind of conservative, you know, less risky choice to make. Now, you might hold on to something like the visible hand. You say, you know, I'm going to take the risk where I'm not going to draw up the card I would have if I got rid of this at the end of the turn, but I really want to hold on to this to get those out, and I'm just going to really roll the dice here on seeing if I draw what I need so I can play visible hand without risking tokenizing that card I really wanted to so this isn't easy this isn't easy it gets a bit easier with artifacts like uh Nion outpost or mark 2 generator both over in mars because once those artifacts are out you can just choose to not use them and then you're you're good to go right you're not really sacrificing anything by not using them except for the token creature you would have had out which is a part of your calculations anyways that's a part of your calculations anyways so really what i want to encourage you to do as far as looking at the choice to make a token creature is what if you want to take it seriously and start to do the math you've got to consider discarding or not using the token creature generator if you know you need that card that is in your deck and you need to find it and use it thinking this way it starts to slow your deck down you've got what are essentially dead cards because you're deciding that this is a dead card. I'm not going to use it. I don't need this effect right now. Let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of it. So what are a few ways that decks are going to actually mitigate this? There are actually some kinds of decks and some other cards and some actually approaches to playing a deck that can actually help mitigate this complicated token creature variance decision making that you need to manage. So first off, I mentioned this offhand earlier, but at any token bouncing is going to increase your your ability to control the variance with what gets made into tokens and then bouncing it back to hand, especially if that effect is immediately available. Now, of course, if you've taken any amount of looking into strategy and what's strong in Winds of Exchange, you're going to know that bouncing whatever token you want to is quite good. We have Sandhopper in Equidon that has action return a friendly uh, a friendly creature to hand. If you do, you may pay, play a non-Equidon creature from your hand. You have Transporter Platform doing something very similar over in star alliance there is a funny little rare over in equidon that lets you just bounce a single token creature right so any bounce that is immediately available where you just get to make a token see what it is and then bounce it back especially with those artifacts is highly highly valuable for managing that variance because you can just go ahead and make that token creature and if it's the thing you need boom you take it up into your hand you take it up into your hand now a a deck strategy (laughs) <laughs> this isn't as much of a strategy as much as you you have a consistency of creature a token creature making effects is a token flood strategy. A handful of decks that just want to make as many tokens as possible. Grunt is really popular for this one as a token creature. A handful of these strategies, you just have so many token creature makers that you just start with whatever hand you do and make as many token creatures as possible and you're just calling the same house and reaping out Over and over again. And what happens here is perhaps there's a few payoff cards like membership drive, or maybe there's the Mark II generator that you really want so you can consistently make more tokens. But really, the strategy is just as long as you see your token makers to make them at a pretty high rate, you make as many as you want to. And what happens is that your consistency, your consistency is just in the fact that you're making a ton of tokens that you can use to reap out to get that amber to win the game, moving towards that third key. And the other stuff does not matter. The other stuff does not matter. All this deck is about is flooding the board, overcoming your opponent's ability to blow up the creatures to any degree, and then using that to reap out. So that is that is one way that this starts to not matter if you're just going all out on token flood. Now, sometimes you will have a deck that just wants to token flood, and you can recognize that from the list or playing it a few times. Sometimes you'll be in a situation where you've got a good draw, you're in a good situation, your opponent isn't finding you off the board, and you know you can just keep pushing and making tokens because you know that your way to win this particular game is, is that you've got control of the board and you can just keep reaping out. You don't need to dig for your tricks. You don't need to try anything tricky. You just need to brute force your way to victory by reaping out turn after turn and making more token creatures. Making more token creatures. Another kind of mitigation, another way to mitigate the token creature variance in Winds of Exchange, either in a selecting a deck that does things like what I'm about to mention or building for alliance with they're sealed, or standard, is the consistency of effects across many different cards. So what I'm talking about here is if you have a deck where you want to make token creatures and you have plenty of Amber control, let's say you have a couple Rogue Operation over in Star Alliance and you have multiple Generous Offer over in Equidon and you have several Mars Needs Amber in... Mars. If you have consistent effects towards these particular goals and needs like that, creature control across multiple houses, across multiple cards, you you have a much lesser chance of tokenizing everything of one effect, right? You have a much lower chance of tokenizing all of your amber control, of tokenizing all of your creature control. So you can tokenize with a bit more abandon. There is still a risk that all of it will end up upside down as a token creature, But you generally, if you start to see a few of those cards and get the uses out of them, you can say, "Okay, sweet, I've gotten the value out of these. I do want to keep making token creatures, reaping out with those, fighting with those, getting payoff for those via the various cards in your deck that may do that. So if you have consistency of your effects across many different kinds of things, a whole bunch of creature control, a whole bunch of amber control across a few different sections, Then you're going to be able to mitigate that variance, just mitigate that variance by what your deck is made up of. You're going a bit more towards consistency of effects like you might see in a constructed game. But in this case, you've simply built it with alliance across a few different pods or you've said, oh, hey, this is how I can play this deck. I can actually make token creatures with abandon because I'm going to see my amber control pretty much no matter what pretty much no matter what another note on the token flood strategy is sometimes you're making tokens so fast that you're going to loop through your deck multiple times and that's where what you start to do is you fight off or blow up in some way the tokens that have the cards you do want to see on the next flip so keep that in mind as kind of a discard pile tech we know that discard pile is going to flip back into your deck real soon especially if you're making a ton of them in a ton of those cards into token creatures. So go ahead and blow up those tokens you know you want to see on the next loop, especially if they're all in one house, and get those into the discard pile before you flip. So keep that in mind as you go. Apply that as you use a winch of exchange decks in your casual play, hopefully in the 2024 competitive play season. This has been Keyforge Public Radio. I am your host Zach Armstrong. If you haven't subscribed at this point, I don't know what to tell you. Come on, just just hit it. Just hit follow. Please. Please. I have cats to feed. KeyforgePublicRadio.com is where you can find our blog posts and the merch shop, which is a great place to both support Keyforge Public Radio and get some pretty good-looking shirts, both the golden resource design that we've got up there, as well as KPR-branded shirts. I've got all sorts of things there. The Patreon is, of course, where you can support most directly. Thank you, of course, to our Airwave Advocate-level supporters like Paul. Roadrunner. We will be back with you next week here on Keyforge Public Radio, like we are every Wednesday. And remember, like your radio dial, may our Keyforge skills always be well tuned. Visit KeyforgePublicRadio.com to find all of our episodes, transcripts, blog posts, the KPR store, and more. Keyforge Public Radio is made possible with support from listeners just like you who believe in this game and this show. When you join the Patreon, you receive access to votes on content, sneak peeks, early knowledge of interviews, access to the Discord, and other benefits. So come on down, I'd be honored if you joined us. Follow KPR on any social media platform you frequent, just search for Keyforge Public Radio, and we're probably there. This show is produced by Rooster High Productions, which is me. And remember, dear listener, the most important part of Keyforge is the person across the table.